Welcome to the Bridge to OK podcast. I'm your host, Bridget, and this is a special bonus episode about mental health and media. Specifically, we're, today we're talking about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I love this show, so this is going to be really exciting for me. Hopefully, you feel the same. If not, I hope after listening to this, you go check it out. Though, with some disclaimer that it could be triggering. So, the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend written by Rachel Bloom, who also stars as the main character, Rebecca Bunch, explores her mental health issues, and especially through the lens of her relationship issues. And spoiler alert, she gets diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. She has a suicide attempt. They talk about a lot of really deep issues but also with a lot of lightheartedness and that could be off-putting to some but really intriguing to others and it's really intriguing to me i love how it's a musical in case i I probably should mention that very upfront if you don't like musicals you won't like it if you love musicals and you love mental health destigmatizing experiences then you really should listen So the show covers a lot in its four seasons. Um, It starts off seeming much more lighthearted and then it gets into the nitty gritty of recovery and what that's gonna look like, which is certainly not linear. She also is battling with a lot of interpersonal problems along with her own childhood trauma and struggles around alcohol and avoiding her emotions so since she's borderline the way they talk about that in the show once she's diagnosed is it's like having a really thin emotional skin you just you react really quickly things really impact you really hard and this isn't to self-diagnose i want to talk about self-diagnosis in a different episode but right now, I just want—I want to say—I'm not trying to get anyone to self-diagnose themselves. I just want to point out the fact that that's something that a lot of people can probably relate to, feeling like the world just affects them and like maybe more than other people because we're in a society where you're not supposed to show how you feel, and you see all your behind-the-scenes and you see everyone else's highlight reels on social media, so. It makes sense to look at your lows and say that you're experiencing more pain than others. But it also makes sense when you go talk to people and you really have honest conversations and you're like, hey, I'm struggling and I'm suffering. And they go, oh, and they're like taken aback by it. You realize, oh, this actually is a big deal. So it's hard to tell the difference there sometimes between the normalcy of like, oh, and normal. It's normal to feel anxiety. It's normal to have days where you're feeling sad. It's possibly a diagnosable disorder if it's every day and affecting your functioning. And that's the main component to it all. I, was, I wasn't going to try to address that this episode, but just to start, talk on that a little before I talk about her diagnosis. They also talk about her fitting the diagnosis in the fact that she has abandonment issues She has her suicide attempt and self-destructive, impulsive behaviors, feelings of emptiness, 
unstable sense of identity and unstable relationships. Instability in relationships, like I hate you, I love you, very quickly, the mood swings of that. And they listed it all off, and at first she like didn't want to hear hear it. But once she finally listened, she was like, wow, that actually describes me perfectly. Because previously she had been put on a laundry list of medications and being told she has depression, anxiety, like run-of-the-mill sort of issues without looking at the causes, without looking at the reactions of the meds. Her uh, therapist in the show says, your old doctor was a quack. He wasn't treating you, he was drugging you. And I loved the way they put that, like, to have a therapist say that too, to show that it's not just all therapists or all, or all doctors that do that. You know, there's certain doctors that would be thrilled to do just talk therapy with you and only suggest medicine if they actually think it's something that you want and that would work for you. But there's some that, you know, just want to send you off to the psychiatrist to get meds. And then when you say you don't like those meds, they give you more meds. <laughs> so I love how the show goes into all those interesting aspects of being an adult finally dealing with problems you've been dealing that you've had since childhood because they go back to her really early relationships where she's going through I mean the whole show is actually about her trying to get Josh at first that's what the show is about she moves to California from New York quits her big well-paying lawyer job so she can come down and follow her ex-boyfriend from a summer camp fling from high school who has a girlfriend (laughs) it's so great everyone should watch it (laughs) one song i really love from the show is called you stupid bitch so it says you ruined everything you stupid bitch and she's saying it to herself and just going on and off with all these self-loathing thoughts and um when you listen to the commentary she says that she was a little afraid to share that with the people she was working on the song with and just thinking that that'd be out in the world because there's such deep personal thoughts and she was like am i the only one feeling these things is is this gonna seem like i'm like crazy so it definitely seems like that's where she's drawing her inspiration from not necessarily that she has the disorder or she had these certain relationship problems more that she knows what it's like to have mental illness and she knows what it's like to struggle and I think that really comes through and that's the those are the kind of shows and media I want to focus on in these episodes ones that are made by people who have mental illness not just people who are I mean I guess we all are affected by it but I'm happy to see it such explained so well and have those voices be at the forefront and so obvious when you're watching it and in this song they started off where she's singing to an audience and she's as it almost as if like she's touring the world with her self-loathing thoughts and then she goes yeah you know this one everyone's applauding like and then she says sing to me and they all sing back to her like and she's like i deserve this like and it's so funny like just talking about it seems so sad but during the episode it's so funny <laughs> That's what I love about the show is that 
they can have the dark moments be the funny moments but they also can separate them there's a lot of nuance I mean even the first season's theme song talks about nuance (laughs) and even in a cheeky way in a ironic way I want to hear what people think about the fact that they changed the theme song every season because I know some people were upset when they realized the second season had a different theme song but I kind of like the variety like you always can go back and listen to the first one now you have more but you know it, it was a really good first one. I think it's good to just to listen to it. To As soon as you listen to that, you know what the show's about and you can delve, delve into the first season. So the show destigmatizes using antidepressants. It talks about problems with abandonment from your parents. It talks about funny, but interesting ideas of gender roles and what women have to do to look presentable and valuable and it deals with body shaming and it's just all through the lens of someone because the main character is a little bit too trying to be woke in a way like they're a member of the ACLU and they're super progressive and all of that. They they say it in a way where it's not as if they're making fun of it like it's not true. They just seem to be making fun of the idea that you feel higher and mightier because of it. And that's where the nuance comes in, where they don't say that outright all the time, but it's just kind of tongue-in-cheek. It's there for you to pick up. And sometimes they do just break the fourth wall and just say it. I do think that the episodes dealing with her suicide attempt were well done. I do think that they could have been given a warning of some sort or had some sort of resources at the end. Like the last episode I did about Euphoria... At the end of every episode, they had um, resources to watch. I mean, they had a list of resources that you could use to reach out to. And then they had a... It's HBO and a disclaimer in the beginning about what was going to be covered and what kind of mental illnesses and things might come up. So I really appreciated that from Euphoria. And I feel like it's a pretty simple thing to do that you can do. That doesn't mean that I think that people shouldn't learn how to deal with their triggers and shouldn't recognize that there aren't trigger warnings everywhere in life but just as a creator I think it's an important thing to think about that's why I keep mentioning it so I know you know that you're capable of choosing media that is right for you and you can handle it but I don't want to coddle my audience or anything. But I also don't want to shock you with ideas. But I, I do want to talk about a little bit about her suicide attempt where she seems to do it. Her idea is there's no one for her in New York. There's no one for her in California. Um, she just feels really alone. 
and she was looking up I can't remember if this was before or after I think this either way she was looking up how to kill yourself um, the least painfully and that kind of shows her thought process you know there's all these different kind of plans people have but she just wants to stop being in pain is the main part here and so I remember once I posted um, online the idea that people who are contemplating suicide or who attempt or who end up dying by suicide um, they are, their attempts were real and their feelings were not disingenuine they really did feel that way and they weren't just faking it and they weren't just looking for attention for no reason but they didn't if there was another option they would have wanted to take it they didn't see another option or didn't feel worthy enough for it and I think it comes down to you don't want to die you want to stop living in pain you don't want to die you want to feel alive you don't want to die you just don't see a future for yourself And then once she came back and her friends were there with open arms and after she was devastated that she had betrayed them and lied to them and just been like a horrible person and there's no way that they could forgive her, that she didn't even stick around long enough to see how they felt about it or to do any damage control. Instead, she went straight into a spiral, shame spiral that led her to an attempt and so when she came back and her friends were there and trying to help her through it that was one realization of how far down she had gone how much she had hit rock bottom in that sense but she also had gotten a lot of clarity from that it seemed from going so far not that she couldn't have gained a recovery attitude in another way I'm sure she could have but once her friend cried out and said you have to promise that you won't do that again she goes I can't promise you that that's not something I didn't want to do it the first time <laughs> you know but she can promise that she's gonna try she's gonna go to therapy she's not gonna take things out on you guys She's going to own up to her mistakes. And she does that throughout the entire series. And, of course, she makes mistakes still. But you can see there's a difference when she really starts owning up to her mistakes. And just taking responsibility. Instead of being self-loathing and shame-spiraling. And that's the idea of a breakdown could be a breakthrough. So I'm going to let the recording of me talking about how awesome Anchor is come on. And then we're going to get back to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. So the character that they really delve into ideas of alcoholism is one of the men that Rachel's pursuing 
Also the friend of Josh, Scandalous. Greg. And he actually ends up doing what's best for him and leaving. Then he comes back, but he's a different actor. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I feel like they didn't plan on doing that, but the actor just didn't end up staying for longer. So they replaced him, but it worked out either way. But OG Greg is my fave, even though he was problematic. <laughs> um, not as pro problematic as his dad and Rebecca are. You, you just got to watch the show. I can't explain everything. But what I will say is he had a great voice. And I really like the song he sings when he's, like, claiming ownership of his, his decision to move and go to school and leave this woman he's in love with but knows that is an unhealthy situationship for him right now to be honest because he is being really strong by essentially saying no to his temptation he wants to just give in and just get hotel with this girl who's he's like in love with even though he knows that they are not ready for each other to commit. They don't, they're not ready to be vulnerable and, and emotionally intimate with each other in a way that's going to be beneficial. And he's working on his recovery. So for him to not only do that, but then even point out the fact that he's, he's doing a good thing. He's going to school. He's finally doing what he said he always could do. And now he's actually going to go try to do it. And he's trying to get away to, from his hometown he's lived in forever. And all these are really good things for him. So for her to say to stay is pretty selfish of her. And it does show the dysfunctional side of that relationship. So I think it's smart of him to point that out. Even though it does hurt. And it feels a little cold. It's like he kind of has to be like that. Or else he's going to feel almost manipulated to stay. And that's what I'm talking about with this show, because just one lyric, one line of a song says so much, and I think can say so much more than just a piece of dialogue or just something a normal TV show would give you. Having it be a musical is so helpful to show the inner worlds that all the characters are dealing with. And not only that, but show it through the lens of Rebecca's coping mechanism and her special interest of musicals and seeing everything through that dramatic lens is really fun. I wish I could do a deep dive into all the characters and I guess I could in the future but for now I do want to talk a little bit about Nathaniel mostly just because he has some of the funniest moments to me like where he has the song I go to the zoo. He reveals that when he gets upset, he wants he just goes to the zoo to chill with the animals and he like knows the security guard so they let him in at night and he gets to hang out with the monkeys and stuff. It's the funniest thing to me cuz he's such a pompous like um nose in the air kind of guy. So when he says things like, "Oh, I'm a Gryffindor." And when he takes a nap in the middle of the day, I just love when they humanize him in those ways. It's a good comic relief. 
And I actually ended up shipping him pretty hard with Rebecca, which I did not think I was going to do. I thought it was Greg all the way. I'm pretty swayed by shows. I'm not... I usually just want the characters to be happy. I'm a sucker like that. I also like enemies to friends to lovers. (laughs) And slow burns and will they won't they's and on and offs. Who doesn't? Who doesn't love a good love triangle? Especially in this show where they make fun of that trope. And they go, they turn it up on its head and like show a mirror at it and say I like when they brought up um, so there's Greg and there's Josh and there's her so that's like a throuple and then they talk to they bring in just momentarily bring in a polyamorous couple and they're like that's not a throuple if you want to be with two people monogamously and you can't choose between them you shouldn't just opt for polyamory it's not like a, a default solution for someone who can't choose and I really liked that. They just threw that in there like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, you can't just assume that you can get everything you want without communicating with these people. Like, if those two people don't want to be in a thruple with you and don't want to be working out the mechanics of having multiple relationships, then that's not the same thing as people who are in an open relationship who have been doing that from the start who are happy that way and working on that so they always do that they always bring in these like for lack of a better word woke and evolved ways of speaking and then also do it tongue-in-cheek and say hey we know that not everyone has to have a perfect idea of these social constructions So some final thoughts for this episode about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Destigmatize therapy and the idea that maybe meds is something you want to try out. Destigmatize the negative symptoms that aren't always talked about in relation to mental illness. And take accountability for what that causes in other people's lives. You're not a burden, but your behavior is your responsibility. By not going into a shame spiral, you can actually own up to your stuff and come out the other side recovered because I think at the end of this four seasons, she is recovered, not in a way that's like she's never struggling. Maybe she'll still have the same disorders, but She's definitely in recovery and she's definitely thriving in a way she wasn't before and really seems to know herself. And that self-knowledge and that emotional intelligence and all the tools she gained and perspectives she learns and the friends she got, I love it. So I hope everyone watches that show, at least checks out some of the songs. And even if you don't check it out, I hope that listening to this episode is fun and that you don't rag on me too hard for my singing. All right, be well, and it'll be okay, hopefully, right? If not, we have TV. Bye.